Welcome to Wellness Force Friday. I'm your host, Josh Trent, and this is a special edition, bite-sized podcast that fuels the start of your weekend with actionable steps for your wellness journey through an inspiring story or message from a trusted influencer that helps us discover the physical and emotional intelligence we need to live life well. If it's your first time listening to the show, make sure you click over to one of our full-length featured episodes to get hundreds more in-depth interviews. All right, let's drop in together for this week's message. Hey, what's up? It's your friend and your host, Josh Trent. Today, I'm the guest. This is one of these special episodes that come across my desk every once in a while. And this one is with my close friend, holistic nutritionist, EFT practitioner, and registered dietitian, Faith Shevlin, the host of the Imperfectly Healthy podcast. You can find more about her at faithshevlin.com. This episode, I had to share with you. Like, there was no choice. I had to get it out there. We talked about so much that is needed right now on this planet at the intersection of physical and emotional intelligence, including love, dating, attraction, communication, and what women must know about men and vice versa, how a man can properly communicate to a woman so he can fill her heart and he can be in his masculine. Now, this label of masculine feminine, we've had a few guests talk about this on the show. One of them that comes to mind was Amanda Steinberg, where she actually wanted to strip the labels of masculine and feminine away. But we know that in this current society, we're half beast, we're half spirit. Men and women are put on the planet to do certain biological things. Well, in this age where women's suffrage still has a ripple effect left over from so much suppression, how do the men in this current society stand for themselves and hold space for women and vice versa, that shifting pole of polarity in every relationship? Basically, how do people move forward with the right dialogue and the ways of being that'll allow them to operate from that space of love instead of the tension and the fear that cripples so many people in relationship. Now, look, I'm no relationship expert. I am single, but I've done the inner work over the past six years, and especially in these two and a half years of bringing people on the show who are world-class at educating us about the ways of being we can step into to get the love that we deserve to call it in. I know you're going to love this podcast. Faith is all about science and psychology and spirituality in regards to this health and wholeness that we all have in our bodies at all times. And Faith has a tremendous story of her own. Make sure to check her out at faithshevlin.com. Let's dive in with my good friend and podcast host, Faith Shevlin. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 23 of Imperfectly Healthy. I am your host, Faith Shevlin of faithshevlin.com and imperfectlyhealthypodcast.com. I am so excited about this episode. It's a topic I've been wanting to cover for a while. It's also an aspect of health that I love to talk about, and I think it's so important. So today, we are talking about dating, relationships, communication, and attraction. And we're actually going to get insight from the perspective of a man, which I think is so key. We're also going to take a look at the ways that men struggle with body image and weight right? So often on the show, we're talking about women's body image, but what about men? So I have a very special man on to talk about all of that today. The man who courageously has stepped up to the plate for this conversation is my dear friend, Josh Trent. Josh is the founder of Wellness Force and a wellness industry influencer and coach. He's also the top-ranked iTunes podcast host of both Wellness Force Radio and the Fitness and Technology Podcasts. With over 13 years in the health and wellness industry, Josh leads the Wellness Force community in discovering physical and emotional intelligence to help men and women live life well. 
His vision for Wellness Force is to empower over 1 million men and women in discovering the physical and emotional intelligence we need to live life well and enjoy the process. A key to enjoying that process is our relationships. And because I know Josh, I knew that this is a topic that is close to his heart. In this episode, you're going to hear Josh share the physical and emotional transformation that he's gone through to get to where he is today, how physical weight can be a manifestation of your inner world, why you must take responsibility for the story you tell in your head about yourself, others, and life, his experience being faced with the modern man's dilemma, his insight on male body image, what makes women most attractive, what what it takes to have healthy, harmonious, connected partnership, what makes a man want to commit to a woman, the difference between being a strong, successful woman and having independent woman syndrome, what courageous conversation is and why it matters, why being perfect is actually unattractive, what men want most from women, and so much more. This was such a fun conversation for Josh and I. We could have talked for hours. So enjoy the show. And here is Josh. Hi, Josh. Welcome to the show. Faye, thank you so much. This is going to be incredible. I've been looking forward to talking with you. Me too. And you are the most perfect person to talk about these two topics. And and you know, this is an episode I've been wanting to do for quite some time. So the topics on the table today are male body image and what women really want to know and need to know from men Mm. or about men. And I think these two topics are just not talked about enough. Number one, male body image, right? We talk a lot about body image on the show with respect to women, but what about men, right? Yeah. And, and so often when I tell men that I work with women on body image, the men go, what about the men? And I'm like, what do you mean? What about the men? Aren't men, men, men struggle like this too. So I'm excited. I think it's really powerful to hear for women to hear about that from, yeah. from a man. Yeah. And I think that it's something that most men don't talk about, yet they all feel. So let's pull back the curtain. Yes. Yay. Yay. And then, and then on the topic of, of men and dating and relationships, us women love to sit around and chat about all of our, our experiences, but we, you know, men and women are very different. So we make assumptions about men that aren't always accurate. And so I think, again, hearing, hearing, you know, about men from a man and what men want and the insight is invaluable. Yeah. And we'll do our best to, you know, break off the tip of the tip of the iceberg today. But we all know that this is a continuum of learning. It's not like you and I are going to change the world today, but we might move the compass. So I'm excited. Yes, exactly. So let's, let's start with your story. I know your inspiration to coach over 10,000 training sessions as a fitness professional and launch wellness force in 2010 was deeply rooted in the fabric of an early childhood and adolescent life plagued with weight and health struggles, which is what, what you've described your, your journey, right? So will yeah. you share, share about that? Yeah. You know, Faith, you and I have spent so many good conversations over some healthy food together. And I think I've mentioned this to you, but you know, for your audience that doesn't know me, that's never heard of me, when I was a young kid, and I'm talking like when I first could remember, I just knew that there wasn't something that I could trust. And I came from this environment where I just honestly didn't get the psychological or the physiological tools that I needed to thrive, to live a life well. And so, you know, that was an existential stress that I constantly felt as a young child. 
And um, I can remember feeling these feelings I didn't want to feel. And I needed some kind of a relief. And so I found this beautiful drug at that time, which a lot of people abuse, but they don't talk about. And that is food. And so I use food as a way to just quell those feelings inside my chest that I didn't want to feel. Well, with that lack of, of skill set in psychology and that lack of skill set in dealing with my emotions, no surprise, you know, flash forward, I'm 22 years old. I'm in a body that's 280 plus pounds. I'm in a relationship I don't want. And I was just like, I can't live my life like this anymore. And it was cumulative. But there was one moment where I was at this party drinking by San Diego State because drinking is another way that people numb out and don't feel what they want, what they don't want to feel. And I'll never forget this. I was drinking beer out of like this red party cup, you know, those red Dixie cups. I slammed the cup down and I just felt this lightning bolt and it was almost like a message. And it was like, there is more to life than this. And I ran home drunk. I ran home like three miles. I opened up my big laptop at that time and I just typed, I think I typed in like, how do I be healthy? Mm. And, you know, then the next year and a half was like trial by fire. It was losing and gaining 90 pounds. Then you know, losing a bunch through low carb and then gaining 60 of it back and just really, really kind of like um, scarcity mindset, which mm-hmm. I came to learn about later. So I just said, you know what? I don't know what I want, but I know I don't want this mm-hmm. and I'm willing to change my environment. I moved to Hawaii. I sold everything I owned. So for six months, I'm living in Hawaii and I'm working out at the gym there. And the fitness manager came up to me and he was like, hey, I've seen you exercising. You should think about being a trainer. And I was like, what's a trainer? (laughs) I didn't know what personal training was. Mm -hmm. I found this incredible career where you could help other people empower their health using fitness as a catalyst, which was something that I was doing at that time. And it just unlocked the next 10 years of my life. And, you know, looking back on that time, I realized a lot of us that are imperfectly healthy, we all have these moments that transcend us from where we don't want to be, but we don't have full clarity on exactly where we do want to be. And that's okay. Looking back on that time, I'm like, wow, wherever you go, there you are. Because when I moved to Hawaii, I took all my limiting beliefs and my lack of psychology with me. So, but now, you know, with Wellness Force and what I'm doing, there was a bit of a bigger transition there too. But my initial story came from just not getting what I needed when I was a kid. Mm, yeah. So I'm curious at, at the party when you had that moment, was that sparked by a conversation? Was it like a divine and in- intervention? You, no. you don't know? <laughs> yeah, I think I think it was cumulative. I think it was yeah. like, okay, so for a year before that, I had tried to let go of weight unsuccessfully. Uh, I was doing like high carb, low fat. And then I was doing somewhat of, of tracking. I, this is before apps, right? <laughs> it's so funny. I'm talking to you. I'm realizing like, wow, we're a little bit older than generation uh-huh. than the other generation. <laughs> I didn't have a phone. I, I just used like a spreadsheet and I was writing down my calories manually. And um, that didn't work either because I didn't know about macronutrients and really like nutrient absorption at that time. So it was sink or swim for me. And um, the majority of that came from me kind of sinking and not getting the progress I wanted. And so I think at that moment at the party, it was like this cumulative frustration and just anger about like, God, I just hate how I feel in my body. And on top of that, also, since we're talking about women and men today... A huge motivator for me was not getting the love that I wanted, not getting the female interaction that I wanted. You know, let's be real. Women don't like men that are overweight. Okay. Men don't like women that are overweight initially. 
And then, you know, there's a deeper layer where it's like, God, did I really just want love? Was it about women? Was it about anything other than just me wanting love? Uh, and I think that's the anger and the pressure that I felt at that party. Right. Got it. Well, that is what it, it's always about that, right? It's always Our about ability, love. Yeah. Ability Everybody to receive love. love. Yeah, definitely. Do you, um, I mean, what I find a lot, can you relate to it all having extra weight being protection? Maybe yeah. not consciously, maybe not consciously. Oh God, that's such a great question. It's like the weight that we have on the outside of our body is a buffer. It's almost like a force field around mm -hmm. things getting in that want to support us and love, affection, mm -hmm. tenderness. And it's also a safeguard against us feeling pain from other people, really showing up vulnerably for other people. And so the weight that we have on the outside is just a mirror of the tension and the scarcity that we have on the inside. And there's many, many studies that show this as a, being a biological result beyond just what you and I are talking about today. I mean, this is science. When you have emotional dysregulation, that leads to biological dysregulation, which leads to gut dysbiosis, which leads to other deleterious health things. So, you know, the emotional and physical connection. I mean, listen, this is what I talk about on my podcast, right? Mm -hmm. It's like this bridge between emotions and physical and how that relates to our wellness. I can't think of something more important. Yes, absolutely. And that's a huge topic and message of this show. And I know that we, we share on that, that journey and making that connection in our, yeah. in our own lives, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's one thing that I respect and, and why I'm so excited to talk about men and women, because below the men and women quadrant is also the physical and the emotional quadrant. I mean, one guy that I deeply respect is Gay Hendricks, Gay and Katie Hendricks. And when I interviewed him, he was like, listen, if you're going through turmoil internally and you show up to a relationship, you're just going to use that relationship as a way to let the turmoil go. And then you're just bringing your problems and your baggage <laughs> to a relationship, right? Yeah. So um, everything's interconnected, almost like a, a tetrahedron or, or when you look at the bees, the honeycomb, that's yeah. our life. That's yeah. our emotions. That's everything that we are. Yes, absolutely agree. So I love everything you're saying because I think it's so common to, we think that the weight is the problem and that's just yeah. what needs to be quote unquote solved, yet it's everything underneath that, right? So much because the, the weight is just a magnification of the deeper intuitive feelings that we either want to feel or we don't want to feel. And I think how this relates to intelligence is that we're all trying to get smarter, right? I mean, look at the people that listen to your podcast. They're learning about the fact that it's okay to be imperfectly perfect mm -hmm. and to move forward regardless of their current circumstances. And so that takes emotional strength. It takes resiliency. It takes awareness. And all of those qualities, they're not taught in school. Mm -mm. Our parents don't wake up on a Tuesday and be like, come on, Faith, we're going to learn about emotional intelligence this morning over coffee. Like, <laughs> you know, that doesn't happen. And so right. what do we do as adults to transcend all the things we didn't get when we were kids? Because the reality is like, it's not your fault, but it's your responsibility. Bonnie Kelly you, quote. I know that one. <laughs> you get to take care of this, right? Yeah. And so Bonnie's like, I learned, I have so many quotes that I pulled from her <laughs> because, because we all borrow from each other in this field. And it's like, when I come across something that I love, like for example, Sean Stevenson, he, he has the phrase, I let go of weight. I don't need to lose it. Right. I already know where the weight is. Right. right? right so right. I, I believe that people are listening to you and I today and to try to get some gems and garner some lessons from what you and I have learned. And so, yeah, when we look at the intelligence part of this, we get to learn. It's our responsibility. Yeah.
So it sounds like for you to turn all of this around, it was ultimately reparenting yourself in a sense. Yeah, that's a big piece of it. And also, but also it comes to identifying the parts of myself that I'm still holding on to that aren't serving me. Because whenever I'm angry at someone else, it's because I see something about me and them that I don't like. Like the reason that we get so angry at people in life is because there's a part of them that we actually hold inside. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to real healing and real transcendence, there is no way around it other than to actually face the part of yourself that's evil, that's vindictive, that's judgmental, because we're all the same. And I don't know how into the weeds or like, woo woo, you want me to go, but I truly believe, okay, I truly believe that every single thing on this planet is connected. And so it all deserves respect in the way we interact, especially human beings. And one thing that I've always been upset about since I was a kid that I'm constantly on my growth edge about is how people treat each other. And I think in this world, what causes a lot of this uh, extra weight to be on humans' bodies is the way that other people treat one another and how that makes the emotions inside or the dissension inside grow, which then, of course, leads to the extra weight. So we're in the middle of a conscious evolution right now in our society, Faith, and it takes real narrative to help that grow, to help that conscious evolution grow. Right. I love everything you said. And it's almost, again, I mean, what you're bringing up is the idea of oneness or that we're all the same and us owning those different parts in ourselves is is how we experience our own wholeness. And sometimes the weight is like there, it's a manifestation of the separation that we, that we feel. Yeah. But that separation, we feel in moments that it's true, but it's actually BS. Totally. (laughs) There is no separation. We just allow ourselves to believe from time to time that there is separation. And typically it's through comparison, which is like the ultimate thief of joy. Yeah. It, it could be through a different self narrative than what's actually true, like a lying self narrative, like, okay, I'm in this moment, I'm at a party. And the little voice comes up that says, Oh, you're not good enough. Your dress doesn't look great. Oh, don't, you're going to mess up. What are you going to say? All these mm-hmm. things that don't matter. Mm-hmm. Or it's like breathing into the fact that you also could just be there, be in love for yourself, connect with other people. And everything's going to work out. I think what we're constantly dealing with is this duality where in one moment, there's evil intention and scarcity and fear. In the exact same moment, there is love and abundance and openness. It's just truly about what we choose to focus on. Now that right there is the real work. Yes, the power of choice and that radical responsibility, right? It's everything. Right. It's definitely radical. It's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about male body image. Uh, how sensitive are men? about their physical imperfections? Well, I'm more of a sensitive guy. You <laughs> so, are. And that's, so why, I don't really, that's why I love you. <laughs> listen, and, but I can still chop wood, okay? You can. Like, and that's the modern male's dilemma. It's like, how do we lean into our masculine edge and do, can we cuss on your show or no? Yes. Okay. How do we do manly shit? Yeah. And how do we show up for women in the way they love their cavemen to show up? But then also, how do we hold space? How do we be emotionally open in a container where women can flow like water? I mean, that's a big deal because if we're not both of those, the, the demands of the, of the modern man yeah. have never been higher. This is the most challenging time to be a man and a woman, by the way. Yeah. Because women right now, because of the internet, because of the pain body that's left over from women's suffrage that's happened for millennia. Okay. Women were oppressed for a long time. And just for the record, I didn't oppress you women. Okay. Like I love women. But my grandparents' grandparents did. 
And so that pain body is a ripple in a lake that's still left over. Women are still feeling it. And what you also have that's currently with the demands of the modern male is you also have women that are in marriages that are feeling just naturally like they want to be in the feminine flow. You know, they want to cook dinner and they want to feel good about it. They have friends who are single, who are driven, who don't have a man in their life. And they're kind of judging and putting this narrative out towards married women that I've seen where it's like, well, what are you doing? You're doing women's work. Mm-hmm. We don't really not have to label this stuff anymore. It's more about like, hey, can we just peel the labels off and actually just be naturally biologically in the respect that we are half beast and half spirit? You're a man. I am a woman. Vice versa. Let's respect the fact that we're biologically different. And so the answer to, your, to the question in a long format mm-hmm. is yes, I believe that men are sensitive in their core. But what separates men from actually feeling that sensitivity is their intelligence around how to be beast and spirit. Mm, got it. Yeah. And I love everything you just said. And we're going to dive into those dynamics in a little bit for sure. Yes. So as far as the physical, right? Because like I said, women are very, very self-conscious or have a lot around their body, their weight, their, you know, the size of their legs, their arms, their boobs, whatever, right? For men, what are some of the common insecurities that, that men have? Because I will say yeah. that, I mean, I hear men talk about it, but it's in a very joking, lighthearted way. And I always wonder, is it really that? Or is it? Is there a deeper feeling around it? I think the deeper understanding is if a man is connected to the fact that he's feeling confident in the way his physical body looks, which is, by the way, a ton of work to get to that point as well. Not everybody's born with genetic gift to just have muscle, right? Yeah. I know some people that can eat like a sleeve of Oreo cookies and they'll grow an extra ab muscle. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm not like that. You know, for my story, I can only speak from my perspective. So I'll share that in my life, genetically, I have certain genotypes that have turned on that are stacked against me. The odds are stacked against me, quote, quote, in a genetic Mm -hmm. way. But I don't really care. Because I know what to do to not turn those genes on. So through epigenetics, I understand I can step into a body of whatever I choose, as long as my mind is connected to it, as long as my heart is connected to it. I think most men care about how they look so much more than what they talk about. And it's the reason why when you look at magazines, the reason that magazines sell is because the man is, you know, really this athletic body type, small waist, flat stomach, abs large open chest, shoulders that are, you know, bigger than the waist, uh, and legs that are fairly large as well. So it's like men want to have muscle. Men want to have this body where they're able to be perceived as masculine to women and women like that too. The reality is, is that, you know, when a woman looks at a man's face, she doesn't have to see his body. A woman can actually subconsciously know just by looking at a man's face, if she's attracted to him. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Because there's many men that might have a face that doesn't reflect health. There's many subtle cues in our face. And if you look at the work in in National Geographic, they did actually a study on this. The the face of a man, the way his cheekbones are structured, the way that his brow is structured, Mm -hmm. women can actually tell if his body will, will be healthy. So there's cues between the face and the body here. And I think men that might have a lot of acne or men that might be balding or yeah. men that might not have a, a properly properly structured face in that regard of whatever mm-hmm. society believes. That is probably more of an indicator of confidence than the actual physical body, like how much money they have or how flat their stomach is or 
any of these things. By the way, I just weaved in the money part because I think that's a big part of that. Subconsciously came up for me, right? <laughs> so, so I think the, the, sh- the shorter answer is it depends on the man's intelligence. The longer answer is it really depends on the upbringing that that man had and how much he values his physical form, seeing it as a temple, mm-hmm. seeing it as a reflection of his inner self. Right. Got it. So it's, it's interesting because I don't feel like there's a lot of conversation around male body image and insecurities that's really out there. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, body image in yeah. women is everywhere, right? It's a different dialogue because with yeah. women, it's all over magazines because the expectations for women have been so just outlandish for so long, right? Women are supposed to have this tiny waist and these huge boobs. And I'm just like, man, in 2000 years, when like a different life form comes to our planet and digs our bodies up, they're going to be like, why do all these women have salt bags attached to their chest? You know, like it's going to be, they're going to be like, what were these people thinking? And, it's and why all, is that attractive? And why is that attractive? And why are, why are some of these women, they have the salt bags on their butt. What's going on there? And so, oh right. Like so when we look at, when we look at the narrative between male body image and female body image, I believe what's accepted always is changing. Yeah. Back in the day in the early 1900s, Faith, it was actually cool to be fat. There was fat clubs. There were people that showed affluence and wealth when they had extra right. fat on. Now, because of how our society has shifted, and I know I'm going a little bit away from your question, but I'll go back to it. No, that's okay. Because of how society shifted, because we're all sedentary and because the majority of people, you know, 75% of people or more have jobs where they're not moving, mm-hmm. the sexiness factor is always the greener grass. The mm-hmm. sexiness factor is always what the norm is not doing. And so what what is attractive now is tan body, athletic, muscular, lean, which is essentially only what, you know, millennia ago, slaves and people that worked outside had. And that was looked at as, oh, if you're not fat, you're actually not sexy, you're not healthy. And it's interesting how we have this this changing narrative based on the greener grass, don't you think? Yeah, that's so interesting. And same for women too. It used to be Marilyn Monroe, who was she, you know, was curvy. She was considered, and now it's like, you know, the stick thin or whatever. But like you yeah, said, it's she was always, eating butter and cheese, right? Like she was, she was low carbing it basically. Yeah, it's <laughs> right? always changing. That's yeah. such an important point. And so you brought up money because Brene Brown in her some of her work talks about for women the the biggest source of pressure, expectation, and then therefore shame is around looks. And for men, it's more about money and status and ability to provide. So do you find that that's, do you find that's true? I just had to deep breathe on that one. (laughs) Yes, of course it's true. Look, at our deepest core, men want breeders, women want providers. Right. Now you can, you can try to argue with me on that, but the data backs it up. Okay. What's really attractive is a man who's on point and on purpose. Now that might have a secondary or a tertiary goal of him bringing in money. That's great. But if you look at our history of how we freaking evolved, back in the day, a man's value was based on what kind of game he could kill and drag back to the tribe. Mm-hmm. Now, in this modern society, our money has become our sphere. Yeah. It's not about what kind of game and hunting skills we have anymore as men. A real conscious man shows up now and he's like, cool, I'm going to hold space for a woman. I'm going to be there emotionally for her. But I'm also going to provide and create a castle that allows her to step into her femininity. Because there's nothing more unattractive to a woman than a man who's not on point or on purpose or isn't bringing in money. So in a way, the money is a value indicator for men. And it's unfortunate, but it's also the current world we find ourselves in. 
So going back to the duality, it's like, yeah, the reason I deep breathed into that is because that's something that I've dealt with. Mm -hmm. If I'm not making money, then I don't feel safe enough to bring a woman into my space. Mm Because then how am I going to provide a capsule for her to be free and flowing? And I think a lot of, it's funny, I was just this week having a conversation about this. Of course, Faith, you know me. Of course, I was having a conversation about this. Of course you are. (laughs) And and one of my friends was like, well, can't you bring in a woman that wants to help you build the castle? Mm -hmm. And it just blew my mind. I was like, well, I guess that's a possibility because I'm a believer in duality, right? So I guess that's a possibility. Yeah. I just believe that, you know, number one, a man has to be on point and on purpose. And whether that relates to financial gain or not, which nine out of time, ten, 10 times it does, what's most important is that he's on point and on purpose. That's what's safe and sexy to a woman, I believe. Agreed. I agree. I totally agree. Yeah. So I guess it sounds like the money, the money and the, the ability to provide would be kind of like top rank as far as the expectations, right? Or and yeah. for, for us, for women, it's more body. So it's just so it's this kind of a different order. But how many times can we look in society and see a really young, attractive, svelte woman with a overweight, even obese, wealthier man? This happens a lot. And it's because the woman can see through the physicality of the man and she, she can become so attracted to his purpose. Right. Now there are those women out there, you know, gold diggers, right? (laughs) There's those women too. But then you look at the other side and you see men that are with, you know, they, they themselves are not like the perfect picture of health, but they're so attracted to these women because of their physical appearance. So the very same thing, the very same edge that um, is looked upon by judgment through society. Oh, why is a woman with a man just for her money? Or, oh, mm-hmm. why is a man just with a woman for her looks? This goes down to a biological connection that I yeah. think a lot of people in the conscious movement don't want to recognize. Mm, very interesting. So I want to talk more about or get into what women really need to know about men. So I kind of feel like this is like, <laughs> I kind of feel like this is like a man panel, but it's at times yeah. one. So, you know, no pressure. Uh, sure. Sure. You know, again, this is your, this is your experience. This is your yeah. preference, right? So you can speak to that also if, if you have examples of other, other men, you know, it's whatever you want to share. Yeah. Okay. So, so tell, so what, what do you love about women? What I love most about women is that they remind me how beautiful life can be. I feel like women and kids, at least in my brain, are the same type of love source. It's Mm -hmm. the same type of source where if a woman's connected to her body and she's out of her head and she's in her body and her heart's leading the way, it can be such a beautiful experience for a man to be around her because she reminds him that he doesn't have to be so driven. He doesn't have to be so in the doing. He can be more in the being. Mm. Women remind men what I love about women. Women remind men what it's like to, to be instead of do. And I think that's the most attractive. When I'm around a woman who's just so happy in her ways of being, I mean, nothing's, nothing turns me on more than that, right? Yeah. And typically women that are in their, in their body and out of their head, those are the ones that have cultivated a great physical practice as well. And so I think what I love most about women is, yes, it might be a physical attraction, but it's because I know behind that wall is the emotional intelligence they have to not be so in their head and to be in their body and to show me what it's like to just be. Mm, I love that. So it's almost, it sounds like you're saying a woman that is truly embodying her feminine. Yes. 
And, and I'm so glad you said that because there are people out there right now, men and women that want to rip away the masculine and the feminine label, right? which I got to call bullshit on you guys. Like, what are you doing to deny the fact that we're different in sex and in personality and ways of being is to deny the fabric of who we are as human beings. So I understand equality and I'm for equality a hundred percent, but I also respect the fact that we're different fundamentally. And so in order to have what David Dita calls the spark of polarity, mm -hmm. aka one person is in their doing and their masculine, one person is in their nurturing, in their holding space and their feminine, which by the way, can shift from time to time. But without that spark, that differentiation, that voltage potential, you will lose attraction. Most marriages end not because one person gains weight or whatever. It's because the polarity goes away. Mm. The man stops being a man. Yeah. The woman stops being a woman. How many fights can I see in my life? And even from my parents, my parents were divorced twice. And as a child, as an adolescent, I would watch them and I would be like absorbing what wasn't working. And what wasn't working is that the mother role would shift into the father role. The mm -hmm. father role would shift into the mother role. So one person that was in, you know, genetically, genetically made to be in their, in their doing, in their mm -hmm. creation, like the father, he would be more subtle. He would be more drawn in, more shrunken in. And then the woman would have to step up. Because listen, somebody has to bring the masculine. Yes. Okay? Somebody has yeah. to bring it. And if it's not going to be the man, it's going to be the woman. Right. And so that's, you know, the needle's always going to shift. Totally. Yeah. And I've seen that. I've seen that a lot too in relationships, especially our parents, our parents' generation, I guess. Right. And there's one thing I want to bring up too, because this relates to your awesome question. Women have to allow men the space to be a man. If you're in your masculine, yes, the man has, if you're a woman and you're masculine, yes, that some of that responsibility falls on the man's shoulders. He has to open up a conversation with you and ask you as a woman, why do you feel like you need to be in your masculine right now? Why do you feel the drive to screw in your own light bulbs, build your own cupboard, change yeah. your own oil, do all these things that as a man, we love doing for you. Why is that? Can we have a talk about that? It like releases the pressure out of the situation. Yeah. It's the woman's opportunity in that moment to relax and to communicate and explain why she feels like she has to be in her masculine. Now, if she doesn't, it's based on fear. It's based on her, you know, being afraid that she might be rejected or hurt or whatever it is. That's her work. Mm -hmm. So we have all these women right now that are angry at men for not stepping up to their masculine. Well, some of that responsibility falls on you to relax into your feminine and give us a container to be a man. We know you you don't need us to change your light bulb. We know you right. don't need us to open up your door. We know this. This is not <laughs> rocket science here. It's just yeah. the fact that if you want to relax into what it is to truly be a woman, which I don't know about, I'm not a woman, but I have my ideas, then you allow a man to do things for you. You open up that space energetically yeah. and verbally, physically, whatever it is, for him right. to be a man. That is huge. It, it brings me to the idea... We, there's a, a concept that I've talked about once or twice in the show called the independent woman syndrome is what we, we called it. Ooh. And it is, it's, there's a fine line of the woman that is, like yeah. you said, I can do it. I don't need a man. Screw you all. Right. But it can be coming from a very protected, self-righteous place. Right. But then there's a, but then there's another kind of strong, successful woman that has, has the emotional intelligence to allow. Right. 
Wow, Faith. So good because Paul Check calls this the successful white woman's disease. Okay. <laughs> and um, the reason I know this is because I used to train people in La Jolla for quite some time as a personal trainer and they would come see me after their nail appointment or whatever it was. And the majority of our conversations had nothing to do with their nutrition or diet or, or lifestyle. And it was all about how the current man they were dating wasn't working out for them mm-hmm. or how their husband wasn't stepping up into being a man. And I would always ask them like, so what does that mean? I, I learned so much as a trainer about women because um, 80% of them are, are, were who I trained. And yeah. so it was like 10 years of psychology training, right? And so mm-hmm. the typical answer for them would be, well, he's not doing what I want him to do. Well, what do you want him to do? I just want him to take care of me. I just want him to step into being a man. Well, what does that actually mean for him to step into being a man? Well, I asked him to do this thing in the house and he didn't do it. I asked him to follow up with the kids on this one thing or take them to the park and he didn't do it. And so I believe a real masculine edge is keeping a promise to your wife, you know, stepping into that promise. Mm -hmm. And I feel like with women, when they're not getting their promises fulfilled, they shift over into doing it themselves. And this is what creates the white woman's disease that Paul Check talks about. Um, It's what the independent uh, phrase that you mentioned is. I think it's, it's women that get so used to doing it on their own that they don't know what it would be like to relax and allow someone to support them. Right, right. So there's fear around allowing that. Definitely, because they could get hurt, right? Yeah, yeah. But, but the truth is that life is not guaranteed and we're going to get our feelings hurt and this is part of the fucking game. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is part of the game. Like we get to love with an open heart and a sword. If we need to strike, we can strike. But if we need to get hurt, then we get to absorb the pain. You know, Will Smith was talking to his daughter once. And she was really hurt because on social media, people were downgrading her and just really being vicious. And he was like, listen, sweetheart, you get to lean into the pain, lean into the pain until it stops hurting. Because the more that you allow it to hurt you, the more that you allow the rejection to identify with who your core is, the more that you take the power out of your hands and you put it in someone else's hands. And not to say that, and it was so profound for me because I was like, wow. Uh, haters are actually a sign that you're on the right path. Yeah. You know, for his <laughs> yeah. daughter. It, it was just so profound, profound because I was like, wow, the, the only way we know if we're really loving and if we're leading from a place of love is if we're allowing ourselves to lean into the pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's not sexy. That's not guaranteed. Right. There's right. no clause for a man or a woman where they're always going to be safe in love because love is freaking scary. I mean, listen, I'm 37. I'm single right now. I'm terrified of being hurt. I'm yeah. terrified. Yeah. I'm terrified. And I'm, I'm like, feels good to say that out loud, right? Good. I'm, ter- I'm terrified of being hurt. But at the same time, I'm open to love. Like mm-hmm. I'm really open to exploring love right now in my life. And um, that comes with just allowing myself to feel the feeling of terrified. Just right. allow yourself, men right. or women. Right. And being willing to like, it's worth it. It's worth it for the experience. Like if to go for something, if it doesn't work out, there's no guarantee. There's no guarantees. It's like maybe the attraction is the fact that we don't know, right? That's part of the attraction. Yeah. It's It's the not knowing faith. Right. Exactly. Another piece that I think is important in, in like you're talking about with the female client, the female clients and the dynamics is that I think there's a lot of misunderstanding or assumption around men and how to communicate with men and how men's brains work and all that. Probably a year and a half ago, I got into Alison Armstrong's work where she does a lot of sharing on on all of that. And it is mind-blowing to actually understand how to speak to a man, what what drives them. And, you know, I did, I've been in book clubs and I've shared it with everyone I can. And 
applying some of those principles has done wonders for people's for relationships because like because right there's a reason that he's not doing what you want him to do yeah and instead of pointing the finger step back and explore what am i doing how am i not communicating with him how am i not allowing him it's really bringing it back to you man you bring up such a good point because in these moments of tension like you're describing we have a choice can we take a breath i mean there's a reason like on my arm i have a message to myself tattooed that says se posso respirare posso scegliere which means if i can breathe i can choose mm. i can relax in a moment and i can say all right I'm angry, I'm angry, I'm angry. And this goes for women or men, right? Yeah. Uh, the man's not doing something the woman wants. Can she have the emotional intelligence in that second to take a breath and say, listen, Stan, I would love it if you could take out the trash for me. I've just been feeling hurt about this, that you haven't been keeping your promises to me. I mean, look at how light that is. Look at how freeing that is. Right. What happens though is typically it'll go like this. Are you going to take out the fucking trash? <laughs> right? So it's the same pain. It's just communicated in a different way. Right. And so that's the true work. And I believe that's what will diffuse the point you brought up. Yeah, definitely. And what Allison talks about is how, how like we talked about earlier, men are born providers. Yeah. So she teaches to when you're making a request is to actually share with the man what it will provide for you. So even saying to him, hey, you taking the trash out makes me feel loved. It makes me me feel like I have a partner. It makes me feel supported. And then a guy's like, oh, really? Done. Done deal. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. It's like that key word can, can really just shift the whole interaction. Yeah. Language is so powerful. I mean, this learning curve of language for me is a continuum. And I know it is for anyone listening. The way we speak out loud, our subconscious mind is always listening. And so is our partner. So if we say a phrase like, all right, baby, I'll try to get there. Okay. Try is, try is actually my most hated word. When someone says the word try, I literally want to turn to them and say, don't say the word try (laughs) because try isn't, is a excuse. It's a cop out. I'll try to work out. I'll try to be there. I'll try to be nice. I'll try to get you, you know, your cupcake. I don't know, whatever it is. <laughs> and so let's remove that word. And yeah. let's also remove the word sorta. Let's, let's also remove the word kinda. Let's, let's also remove another huge word, which is I might. That word might, might and try. Mm-hmm. They literally are a emotional barricade to growth. And in relationships, if you as a woman heard a man say, all right, baby, I might do that later. Yeah. What the hell does that even mean? What the hell? How much certainty? There's there's no certainty in that for a woman yeah. and vice versa, right? So right. I, I love the point you brought up because this language, it, it applies to relationship. It applies to coaching. Yeah. It applies to everything we do in life. If we're using assertive words and not and not aggressive words, faith, it's more it's more just words that are empowering rather than left open for interpretation, which creates tension and fear. Right, right. And miscommunication, which is then each person has their own story that gets played out and it's just a shit show. Right. <laughs> Somebody doesn't text you back in four hours and you're like, yeah. you've created this massive dialogue about why they're ignoring you. Meanwhile, they were just in a business meeting, right? Right, right. <laughs> so by the right. time they get back to you, you come to the situation with so much anger and then you turn them off before they've even had a chance to explain. Right. This is the real work. Right. And that's why the communication is key. Courageous communication. I like that. Courageous communication. I just made, yeah. I just made that up. <laughs> well, you know what? It's because you're a lion on the inside. 
courageous lion. I am, you know, it's my, yeah, that's, that's probably why I think. Side note, but the, the lion's mm-hmm. been very connected to me these last few weeks. <laughs> yeah, I can see why. <laughs> so speaking of communication, in your experience, what would you change about the way women communicate? Oh, God, you're asking such good questions. The number one thing that came up for me when you said that was honesty. Mm. But not just honesty with your words, honesty about what you're feeling in your stomach and in your heart. Tell me that. You tell me that, I will stop whatever I'm doing Mm -hmm. and I will give you 100% of my attention. But I have to be able to trust it. I have to be able to know that it's really coming from your stomach and your heart, not just your anger. Communication happens, you know, in many different ways as we've already explored. And, and I think that's the number one thing of can you communicate from the stomach and heart Mm. instead of your brainy and just your throat, right? This, this, this duality always exists and it's whichever one we choose. Right. Right. And that's what creates the, the connection, which is what the love is. Yeah. Love can't flow if you're damning it, right? Like if, so if love is water and the anger is the dam, it can't penetrate it. It's going to build up. Yeah. Right. And so it, it has to find a place to go. And so it's up to us to just like, let it go there. Can we just let it go there? Now, what work are you prepared to do so that you don't become a dam? Love that. So in the dating world, what would you say, what's the most common thing that women do that make either you lose interest or guys lose interest? I am blown away when I go on dates, which this year has not been the majority of my time because I've been growing wellness force. But the dates that I remember that were really a turnoff for me, I would be sitting with the woman and I would ask her maybe three or four questions and she wouldn't ask me anything. And I would think to myself, okay, maybe she's just shy. Maybe she needs time to open up. So then I would kind of dial back my questions and I would let more space happen. And and I just feel like there are some women who are genuinely curious and that Mm -hmm. curiosity stems from them wanting to connect. And then there are women that might be generally curious, but they allow their fear to not let those questions open up. Right. And so I'll know right away, like when I'm hanging out with a woman, if, if her emotional intelligence isn't to the point where she's allowing her love to ask her the questions and she's kind of sitting in that fear space mm-hmm. and I'm just driving the conversation the whole time. I'll do my diligence and check in, you know, making sure I'm not overpowering the conversation, making sure I'm letting enough time go by with my sentences to where mm-hmm. if she wanted to say something, she could, because I mean, shoot, you know, I'm a podcast host, so I get yeah. it. Like sometimes I might mm-hmm. ask 15 questions and she might be overwhelmed. So that's right. my work to not ask a ton of questions. <laughs> but I believe, uh, but I believe that it's the woman's you know, not role, but it's the woman's opportunity to just generally be curious, right? And to allow those questions to flow. I would say, I don't know, maybe you can speak to this faith. It's like, yeah. don't you think women typically ask more questions than men? Or is that just Typ- um, case by case? I guess it's case by case. I would say generally, yes. I would say women are stereotyped to ask a lot of questions, which actually is funny. That's another thing Alison Armstrong talks about in her book is how how men can only handle one concept or question or thing at a time. And so when women bombard men with question, 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 they just go into freeze mode because their their brains are not built to bring all that together. Yeah. I think what I enjoy is just riding a wave in a conversation, right? Like what you and I have created today. It's been a lot of back and forth because there's an energy that's outside of what we're doing that's Mm kind of guiding us here. And, right. and not to get too spiritual babble, but I believe sometimes when you're in conversation with someone else, it goes a place you never knew it would go. 
And there's a reason for that. It's because there's always an energy around us driving these conversations. And I think if we're not feeling that excitatory wave or that flow wave when we're meeting someone on a date, it's probably the universe or that exterior force saying, you know what, this isn't the right match and that's okay. Move to the next one, explore the next chapter, the next level to see if that energetic wave is there. I mean, recently I've had a conversation with a woman and it was like an hour and a half and I felt like it was five minutes. Mm. That's when you know something's clicking. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I think just trusting in the feeling of the flow of the conversation, whether it's whether it's working or it's not working, like you said, right? Absolutely. And that intuition is only sharpened over time. It's not like, you know, maybe you've had 10 failed relationships, you're not going to wake up one morning and be gifted with a flowing, beautiful conversation. Like right. you, you must, you have to also you get to, you get to do your inner work. And that inner work is multifactorial, right? Mm-hmm. To be able to to hold a conversation that flows like that. Right. So it makes me think of the, a question I asked you earlier about what makes a woman attractive. But it also sounds like you talked about being in being in their, in their feminine and being, but it sounds like also their own emotional t- intelligence and their commitment to doing their own work. And then also engagement, like what you're, you know, the interaction, I can imagine you like sitting there, you know, at a coffee shop with a girl and just being like, what the hell? This is like brutal. <laughs> right. Yeah. But like you want to, you want someone, and this goes for flipping the roles too. Yeah. You want someone that's going to be fully engaged in the experience. God, I think you're right. It's, it's truly at its deepest level about engagement mm-hmm. because if someone's engaged, then there's all these other energetic underpinnings that are helping that engagement, right? So yeah. if you're engaged, then it means you have interest, you're curious, there might be attraction, there might be deeper connection, but engagement tells all. It's like, look at social media. People mm-hmm. that have high engagement typically have spent the time doing the inner work to, well, actually, this isn't always the case, but a lot of people have done the inner work where they've just been so vulnerable and so open across so much periods of time that people gravitate towards that. There's a reason why somebody being open and vulnerable gets, quote, more likes because people are starving for that. Some of my most popular social media posts, whatever that even means now, (laughs) uh, have been moments where I'm just like, hey, guys, this is what's really fucking happening. This is my ultimate truth right now. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm just going to tell you what's up. Totally agree. I think people are absolutely starving for that. Starving. Yeah. Starving, which is why your show is so important. Yeah. And thank you for being that, being that person out in the world. Oh, that's willing to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not, it's not in every moment. I mean, I'm shoot. I haven't perfected this thing yet. That's for sure. And I don't think I ever will. It's, It's more just, can I constantly lean into the growth edge of it and trust myself to not lean too far? I go back to Dita because you and I have talked about this in person. Mm -hmm. It's a man must lean into his edge, but not beyond his edge. Because part of being a true man is not over promising to a woman and under delivering. Mm -hmm. I mean, talk about what completely saturates and, and just drowns out the spark of polarity is when a man is not knowing his word is true Mm -hmm. and his promises are not fulfilled. That's a big one. Yeah. And so, you know, for me, it's like, I'm constantly checking myself. Am I in my edge? Am I past my edge? Am I making promises I can keep? You know, a constant emotional inventory is necessary for any kind of health and wellness success or relationship success. Right. Well, I think it's a check-in with your integrity and intention is what I'm hearing you say. A hundred percent. A hundred percent because integrity is, am I going to match my words 
and actions. That's integrity for me. And then, you know, intentionality behind that. Like, what is my intention with stating that integrity? Yeah. Is my intention to come from love? Is my intention to come from fear? Is my intention, you know, it's only one of those two things. Right. Back to women and dating. What, what do women do in attempt to be attractive that is really not attractive? I think a lot of times women feel the pressure to have all their shit together in a moment. And it's okay to not is the ultimate mm-hmm. truth. And that's what's most attractive. I, there's been times where a woman is talking so much about what she's up to and what she's doing and how awesome life is and how beautiful things are. And I'm just like, are you also a human? <laughs> you know, can you also yeah. share the parts of yourself with me that aren't perfect, that aren't yeah. on fire, that aren't, you know, beautiful? And I, I think it's that having your shit together is something that a lot of women I come across think they need to do. And it couldn't be farther from the truth. We know, like the truth is undefeated over the course of time. Eventually your real person's going to come up. My real person's right. going to come up. We're going to see each other at some point for real. Can we just be that from the beginning? Can we just do that from the start? Cause then it saves me time. It saves you time. And I think this incessant social media posting and this incessant pressure to be digitally perfect is also what's driving some of this shitty narrative to where we have to show up even in the dating world as perfect. And we all do it. We all front from time to time. But it's like, okay, can we observe ourselves fronting? Can we pull back and breathe and go, you know what? Actually, yeah, all these three things are working out for me and my life is awesome. But I think right now my greatest growth edge is A or B or C. Because then it like changes. Look at, I mean, even the energy between you and I shifted when I said that. Mm -hmm. It just, it just pulls us back to reality. It's like this vulnerability and speaking about what's really going on is, I think, what a lot more men and women get to step into. Yeah. I love that. And yeah, what, when you were talking of the perfectionism piece was, was coming up because the, that need to pretend like every, you have everything together is coming from perfection, which underneath that is coming from trying to hide your own insecurities and all that. And, and, but what, like we just said, everyone's really craving vulnerability and realness and connection, which is embracing our imperfections and letting it all be okay where we are. It's pretty terrifying sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I mean, it really, is. it's like, it's, it's so terrifying to just be like, this is actually who I am. Uh, let me meet who you actually are. And yeah. can you just let go of all the other BS? That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. What makes you want to commit to a woman? My, this is like really challenging question. <laughs> um, I think commitment to a woman has less to do with the woman being perfect and the woman being an exact match and a lot more to do with the timing of how a man is showing up in his life. Mm. Now there's going to be people that argue with me on that. And that's fine. This is just my perspective. I feel like when a man is ready, the right woman will appear. This is what I believe. There are some people that believe that, you know, two people are walking on their individual paths and, you know, they might come together for other reasons, but I just feel like because of what you and I talked about with the, the, woman being in that role of being like the breeder or, you know, someone like that. And the man being the producer role, when the man feels confident in his ability to produce Mm -hmm. and his ability to be on point and on purpose, he's going to drop into trusting that the right woman will appear. And then the woman will, you know, she'll intuitively feel that she'll recognize that he's in the timing of his life, that he can be emotionally available. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. Because it's hard for a man to be emotionally available if he's building a business, if he's building an empire, if he doesn't internally feel like it's the right time. I think that's huge because so many women think they met the guy. But like you said, if he's not in the stage where he's ready and and has the container to invite her in, it's not going to happen. And it's not personal often to the woman, but the w- women take it so personal. You know what? Isn't timing one of the most important things? Uh, yeah. Timing for everything. Haven't anyone listening, I'm sure you've like met someone and you think, oh my God, on paper, I could literally have children and a white picket fence with this person, right. you know, no matter right. what. Yeah. But the reality is, is the exact timing of when you two met wasn't right. Mm-hmm. And you can revisit that and people do. Like sometimes people come together, they break up and they come back together and they have a successful journey. But the timing, respecting that we're spirit half and beast half and the timing, that's like the third multiple. Can you live in the fact that you're fundamentally different as a spirit, as a beast and can you be in the right timing with that person, which potentially could be the thing that higher intelligence controls? This is why right. some people say it was our destiny. Right. We right. were supposed to work out. Well, what does that really mean? I believe that possibly is tied to higher intelligence kind of dangling strings. Right. But also the fact that we're doing all this work, we're gaining all this knowledge. Are we just prepared to be real in a moment, no matter how smart we are, no matter how much intelligence we have? Like, can we just feel what we feel and and explain and articulate what we feel to the other human. And can we do that from a real place? Yeah, I think the timing piece, I mean, I one of my mentors talks about, I do believe there's a divine timing and a divine intervention, but but there's also our human responsibility too. So she she talks about tension plus effort plus grace, right? So for me right now, I'm, you know, for a long time, I've been working on my business and, you know, I'm hustling, I'm hustling. And I'm also 35 and do want a relationship and make probably to have kids and all that. Yeah. So even I'm very focused, you know, I want to look at my life. Most of my time is going to, to business and growth. And, and yet there's always this little nagging voice like, you should be dating. You should be putting more time. And so I came to peace with that recently and kind of said, you know, it doesn't feel, I'm not called to put a lot of effort into that right now. I am open. If, if the divine has someone that's, you know, and the timing is right, but I'm also going to just do what feels good and, and trust in, in that divine process. I think we're sometimes smarter in our logical mind than we realize. And that logical mind can put a veil on how we actually feel. I'll speak my truth based on what you said. Yeah. There is part of me. And I mean, like a big part of me that is like, the flower cracking through the concrete right now Uh in regards to what you said. Because for the past two years of really doing the hustle, as you mentioned, I have noticed that even though out of my mouth, I would say, I'm ready for relationship. I'm ready for love. My logical mind was in control. My heart and my stomach were terrified, petrified. They weren't ready. Yeah. It's funny. I just talked to Drew Manning about this, uh, fit to fat to fit. And he was like, you know, finally, after my divorce, I'm really honest with myself. I wasn't ready before, even when I said I was, and I was like, that's so me. <laughs> you know, like that, <laughs> that is so me. Like I have been this flower that's coming out of the concrete. And now at 37, I can truly say I am ready for it. If she understands that I'm building the castle and she wants mm-hmm. to help me build it. Yeah. She wants to build it with me. Like, let's do this together. And that feels good. That's trusting in my 
heart and, and stomach and in my logical mind. But, but to your point, it's easy a lot for people to just let their logical mind say, well, yeah, I'm ready for love. Yeah, I'm right. totally ready for love. You know, I'm, if it comes, you know, I'm not like looking for it, but you know, if it comes around, then, you know, I might find it and that's cool. Don't right. bullshit yourself either. And right. I'm not saying you are. I'm right. just saying if, if this resonates with anyone, um, yeah. because I've been that person before. I'm just, I'm just speaking what I've been. Right. No, exactly. And I had to look, I really had to look at myself on this and it's like, Oh, I want a relationship. But when I look at how I spend my time, <laughs> I'm not spending any time really putting into Let's that. Let's go to so, Starbucks and write emails at 1030 at night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it's not <laughs> right. actually happening. So that's right, for right, me, right. but I also want to, I also want to not be using it. I think it's easy to use it as an excuse right? It's like, well, I'll be ready when can, depending, like it can go either way, can be a, like a protective mechanism. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. for me, I'm like, what feels true and good for me right now is I is I'm focused on myself and, and my business and my purpose, yet I'm keeping the door open and, and then kind of just handing it over. Wow, Faith. I just want to speak to that because everyone's on their path, their trail. You're doing exactly what you're doing. I believe that the brain and gut and heart connection I spoke about is that when two people that are doing exactly what they feel in their deepest core, they get to do that. They're in their great place. They're creating their own point, their own purpose, and they're both walking on their trail. Eventually yeah. over the course of time, they will intersect. They will intersect. Yeah. And so it's like when they intersect, are you open and willing to speak your truth in that moment? I think it's like trusting that we're on our path and then I'm going to meet up with someone who's doing exactly what I'm doing in their own unique way in, th in their life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like two holes meeting and creating a partnership. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's, it's literally the, you know, the, the piece, the last corner piece of the puzzle. It's like, we're building this puzzle. Yeah. We're building this puzzle, but it's never complete. It's never right. complete. Right. And then we meet somebody and they're like, Oh, there's the corner piece. <laughs> I feel like a lot of times that's what we're all looking for is this, this corner piece. But we realize like the puzzle actually never has completion. They, yeah. They're just a piece <laughs> of our puzzle. Yeah. Right? Yeah, totally. All right. I have a couple more questions. I could keep you here all day, but I won't. This is fun. This is fun. This is so different than a typical show. And I love that we're going here because it is so much in alignment with the emotional intelligence piece that we yeah. talk about on Wellness Force. Like this is great. And this is important. This is highly important. Life-changing. It's so, it's so important. Life right. And that's why this show is called Imperfectly Healthy, but we don't actually talk about food that much. We kind of talk about everything else, but it's like relationships is a huge part of your health and well-being. Yeah. yeah right? it's it, the relationship with ourselves and other people. There's no need for any health diet or exercise if that's not taken care of. Right. Okay. What do men want most from women? I think that men want a woman who knows who she is, who's intelligent in her ways of being, and who just allows herself. Really, the word that comes up for me is allows herself to be in her feminine. That is the most trusting thing for a man to know that a woman is happy. You know, the phrase happy wife, happy life, which right. I think is kind of bullshit. But there is a tiny bit of truth to that. It's like, look, if the woman is in her feminine and she's trusting and flowing, God, that makes us want to step up. I mean, that's so attractive for us to be able to see and experience and feel a woman who's acting from that place of trusted feminine so that we can then just embody our masculine. That's yeah. the real polarity. And there's nothing more electric than that. Ah, uh, yes. That's a beautiful description. I love it. What does being loved by a woman provide for you? 
Uh, I think it goes back to maybe something I said earlier where it's, it's a reminder that everything in life is okay and everything in life has a bigger, deeper, more enriching purpose. When I made that example earlier in our talk to the same type of energy from, from kids and love and women and love, it's a reminder for the masculine or the male mind to just relax into the being, mm. right? Instead of the mm. doing. I think that is a really pressure relieving reminder in life for a lot of men because so many of us are constantly just like grinding the axe that sometimes it's so incredibly energizing. I think the feminine really energizes the masculine by allowing him to hold that reminder of, hey, I don't have to do anything right now. Mm -hmm. I just get to be with you. That's the most important thing. Do you think that that gets expressed or that that feeling is created so much in intimate moments? I think it depends, right? I've been in moments yeah. where I've really felt it. The relationship, or it can, or it can. Yeah, right? the relationship back and forth. How much work have we done on ourselves before we get to that moment? You know, and how, how for the man, how on point and on purpose and trusting is he in his life? For the woman, how much is she on point and on purpose in her own way? And then when we come together, can we put all of what we're doing aside yeah. and can we just hold the space and the presence to be with one another? I mean, there's no easy answer for that. A lot of things you might explore on your show, people might want and crave an answer. Like in order to have a relationship, I need A, B, and C. But just like in diet and exercise, there's no template because the frame is always changing in our lives. So no template can ever exist, period. I mean, there's best practices, you know, like don't yell at your man and take out the trash, <laughs> you know, tell him that it hurts you and here's why and here's what it would mean to you. Here's what you would get from mm -hmm. it. And I think in those intimate moments that you asked, it's so contextual. It's so situational. Yeah. And that neither are bringing in a story into the moment, right? We Which could is do why a whole show on story. We could. Yeah. I mean, that'd be a whole nother podcast. Right? I know. I know. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's, yeah. I mean, it's all the pieces that you mentioned, the communication, the willingness to be vulnerable, the owning your own shit, the radical responsibility, right? The being authentic. Like those are the key, those key components, I think, to having that magical relationship. Yeah. And to go back to Bonnie's quote, it, it truly is our responsibility, no matter what it is in life. And when I say it, I mean love, personal power, health, yeah. anything we're doing that we're up to that we want the outcome for, mm -hmm. no one's coming to help us and save us. Right. Like we're not. And you know, what's interesting about support. And this is what I'm learning more and more and more. When we want support, we also have to be willing to allow it in. That's the paradigm for a lot of people. They're angry. They're not getting support, right. but they're not willing to do the emotional inventory of if they're actually allowing it in. That's a big one. And I think there's many ways to do that. And, and I think it begins with being honest. Right. <laughs> Honestly, right. scary sometimes, you know? Right. And for us women that are looking for a relationship and, you know, maybe having different patterns or not having the best of luck, it's getting honest and looking at, well, how am I blocking or wh where are my walls up and being willing to look at that piece too. Yeah. And let's just drop the walls. One of the most powerful things I ever heard about the wall that you said was from Michael Strasner. He's a man who taught me in a training course called Mastering Transformational Training. And it was a, a two-week intensive. And he was like, we all just get to drop the walls because the walls are actually blocking us from the very thing that we created the wall for. And that's the other paradox. 
So dropping the walls is key. Totally. Thank you so much for being here. And I loved, love, love, love this conversation. Is there anything else that you want women to know about men or if we covered it all? We could do 10 wow. podcasts on well, this. I, I on don't this think episode. we covered it all and I don't think we ever could cover it all. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would say just as parting guidance for the women and the men listening is in every single moment, can you just remind yourself to take a breath? Mm. Can you just breathe? And then choose afterwards. Because if you can do that, you're going to get the outcome that you either are calling in subconsciously or that you truly want in your heart. If you remind yourself to just take the breath, yeah, you take the breath and everything will be so much more bright and so much more clear if you're willing to do that. And that takes work. And if you're willing to do the work, you know, continue to listen to Faith, your podcast and, you know, check out Wellness Force Radio where we explore this physical and emotional intelligence of which we speak and just start calling in all the things that you deserve, all this information, all this support, all this community, right? That's why we're all here. Right. The power of the pause, right? I don't know the where. Power I, of the pause. I don't it, know where, who. It might have been Obama. I mean, Obama was like oh, the master at the pause, right? Yeah. He would talk and then he would have everyone on the edge of their seat because he would take a breath. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So where can people connect with you and learn about all that you are creating in the world right now? Oh my God, Faith. Thank you for asking because I just feel like, you know, I got the joy of watching you launch this podcast. And I just feel so grateful to be able to talk to your audience because I know that within the mind and the heart of your audience is also my audience. It's mm -hmm. the same people. Totally. Because we're all looking for these tools to live life well. And so if you want more tools like that, go to Wellness Force Radio. You can go to wellnessforce.com or anywhere on social as Wellness Force. We explore this intersection of physical and emotional. Love it. Awesome. I'll put, I'll put that link in the show notes, of course. And thank you. Thank you so much for being here. This was so much fun. And thank you for all your support. I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for you. Your wow. help has been absolutely incredible. Yeah. Wow, that's big, Faith. Thank you for yeah. saying that. I totally received that and just really excited for what you're going to create for the next, you know, two years, three years, 10 years. It's awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Josh. And let's, let's hang out soon, huh? Please. <laughs> All right. Have a good one. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Okay. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. I enjoyed that one so much. Josh is the best. I am so grateful for him coming on and being so open and sharing all that he did. I hope many of you women got something great from our conversation. Check him out at wellnessforce.com. He has over a hundred shows full of great insight, tools, and wisdom for your journey. If you would like more shows on this topic, men, dating, love, relationships, let me know. I love talking about them and I'm thinking about bringing more amazing men on to speak to these same topics. If you're interested in that and hearing more on, on these topics, send me a message to faith at faithshevlin.com and let me know. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the show. If you're ready to take inspired action from this week's Wellness Force Friday podcast, let me hear your voice. Tap your show artwork. Click the link in purple that says review this podcast. Write down your thoughts about this episode and what you're committed to creating this weekend and into the next. Don't let this conversation stop here. In your same show artwork, tap on the link that says join the Facebook group for added accountability and connection to support the physical and emotional wellness for the collective and ourselves. Okay, now you get to go out into your world 
and create impact for the people you care about. So until I see you again real soon, I'm wishing you love and wellness.